Hey, this is Angini from CSE Sock Media, and welcome to another Echo podcast. In today's industry podcast, we're chatting to Alex, who is a red team hacker at Atlassian. So we've asked them lots of questions about what it's like to hack your own employer as a job, how students can get into the profession, and also about some of their high profile hacks, which might include finding the passport number of this guy called Tony Abbott. Plus, if you listen to the end, we've also got some bonus content where Alex breaks down how they would hack a company step by step. So you're in for a super fun chat about doing things that you're not supposed to be doing without actually breaking the law. Hope you enjoy. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Echo Podcast. I'm Angini and I'm joined by my co-host Ryan. Hey guys. And we're the media directors for CSE Sock this year. Uh, for today's industry pod, we've got a very, very special guest from Atlassian, Alex Hope. Uh, but I'll let you just quickly introduce yourself. Oh, hello. My name is Alex, and today I'm on this podcast. What do you mean, introduce yourself? What? <laughs> um, what do you do? Oh, okay, right, yeah. right. That makes sense. Yeah. So I work at Atlassian. My job title is Red Team Engineer. I'm sorry, that's a really non-descriptive title. That doesn't really explain what it does. Red, what does that mean? Uh, what it actually means is my job is to hack Atlassian exactly like a actual real hacker who does crimes would do, except one, I have permission to do it, so it's not a crime, and two, instead of selling the stolen data on the dark web at the end, we show them how we did it so they can learn from it and like fix anything that we might find or like practice defending against hackers and all those things. Okay, that sounds awesome. pretty sick. That's cool, that's cool. That is very cool. Yeah, uh, so Ryan, do you want to start Yeah, on? yeah. Um, by talking about how you got to where you are right now. Yeah, so we have a lot of students listening who are probably interested in getting into cybersecurity, sort of breaking into that industry. Uh, I guess first thing is like, what sort of drew you to cybersecurity? What sort of attracted you to this sort of industry or job? Um, I, I mean, when I was a kid, I kind of thought that hacking wasn't like a real thing. Like I thought it was like, oh, you know, in movies when they need something to happen, then they say that, oh, we somehow did hacking and now we've got the thing that we wanted. And I didn't know that was like a real thing that actual people could do. But then when I was a kid, I learned about Wi-Fi hacking. I, was in, I didn't learn how to do it. I just learned that it existed and that you could do that. And I was like, oh, wait, what? That's real? That's so cool. What? You can just you can just hack things and then no one, people think you can't change them, but then you can. And like, what? That's amazing. And I wanted to learn more about it, but I didn't really know how until the end of uni. Um, so you mentioned Wi-Fi hacking. What's that? You know, if you want to do a quick explanation. Oh, so the Wi-Fi hacking that I was talking about is when I was a kid, I learned that it's possible to, uh, most of the time, if you can see a Wi-Fi network that you don't know the password to, you can like find what the password is. Oh, and I was like, what? That's amazing. I didn't know you could do that. Are you allowed to tell us how? Um, I mean, I'm happy to explain it. It's not a secret, but like, it'll take a long time and it's complicated. Um, why don't we like get to this at the end? I'll get to this yeah, 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 bonus yeah, yeah. time, bonus time. All right. Um, so what did you study at university? Uh, at uni, I did computer science and pure maths because, you know, kind of jock vibes. And oh, actually, I did physics as well, but I only did half a physics degree. I stopped halfway. Yeah. And the computer science helped a little bit with hacking, but mostly the programming part. The math has not at all been relevant, but it was fun. <laughs> um, 
And what university did you go to, Alex? I went to the University of Sydney, which is a valid university Ooh, people can go to. Hot take, it's hot fine take. to attend there. You can learn things. But if someone wanted to go and learn security now and they asked me which uni they should go to, I would say definitely UNSW. And I say that all the time now because, I don't know, it's just a way because security is seen here, right? Is that the main reason, just because there's more people doing security? Yes, and I think that's a really good reason to do okay. it, right? Because learning from other people and just finding out what's out there, it's like, for me, that's what works the best. Hmm. Yeah, it cost me 500 bucks for him to say that on the podcast. You're in <laughs> pocket. I had to transfer him. You're welcome. <laughs> um, so was there like a point at university when you decided you wanted to go into cybersecurity? Was it like a course or a moment that you realized that this was something you'd be interested in? No, because I didn't think I was going to do security when I graduated uni. Um, there was one security course in fourth year that was like really fun. It had like war games, which was kind of like a CTF, but there was no rules on how you had to do it. You could just do it any way you want to solve it. Like one of the questions, the one that everyone loved was, there was, um, what was the professor's student number when they were a student? And that's the question. And there's no... There's no rules on how, like, that's it. There's no rules on how you can find it. They don't tell you what to do. Like, wow. you, just have to, you just have to do it. Yeah, yeah. And I thought that was really cool because it was like, what? You can just yeah, do anything. Cool, yeah. And I realized, oh, you can do it. Just like in real life, you can do anything. Ah, oh, so true. So cool. Yeah. But yeah. then I graduated and I was like, wow, that was really cool. Time to go be a software engineer. And that's what I thought I was going to do when I graduated. That's actually a really good segue into like, yeah, I guess software engineering is the most popular, I guess, choice uh, for people who study computer science. Or software engineering was there like a reason why you picked security over it or was it like a conscious choice or something you sort of fell into naturally uh it was sort of a beautiful accident yeah uh, i interviewed at atlassian as a software engineer okay and did all those interviews and they were like okay cool welcome to atlassian um all you software engineers here's all the different teams you can go on because there's lots of different teams who do different kinds of things yeah. and one of them was security and they were like put in your preferences into this kind of dodgy form and uh, I was like, ah, I recognize this is probably like a very pivotal moment in my life, uh, kind of like a big deal choice. But no, I definitely really like security. Doing that course was really fun. This seems really cool. So I'm going to pick security. And I did. Yeah. And they were like, okay, welcome aboard. You're a security person now. Forget all that software engineering stuff. That, <laughs> that won't be necessary. And I was like, okay, I'll do my best. And then I learned a lot while I was doing that job. Yeah, yeah. No, that's pretty cool. Um, I guess you mentioned that, that War Games course. Or were there any other courses at uni that sort of helped you develop your security skills at all? Uh, I mean, that was the only security course explicitly. And like, that was the only course with, had, which had anything to do with security. So, nope, not really. Yeah, yeah. I think it's changed now. There's a lot more security oh, courses. Oh, nice, nice. But then I think that was just that one. And that one's still running too. Yeah. So I guess you would have had to, I guess, be quite curious about security outside of uni, be proactive about sort of researching learning more about the field or like the skills not really i kind of didn't really get into it until after uni oh actually there was that one there was that one course which was like where i really started yeah and i vaguely got into wi-fi hacking when i was a teenager and i was like this is so cool and then but that was like you know a few weeks and then i was like okay back to not that yeah yeah, yeah. it wasn't like a permanent thing or a full-time thing until i started doing it for my job yep 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 so then was it completely actually just like learning on the job a lot of it right like there was that course but like that's what that's what like I realize now, I didn't know at the time, I thought I was just struggling and flubbing and everyone knew everything. But I realize now that the whole point is that, like at least for when you're attacking, you don't know what you need to know already. Like you don't know how to hack the thing because the thing was invented like three weeks ago or like no one, no one's seen this thing unless they work at the company and trying to hack or whatever. So like the skill is learning how to do it while you do it. 
which is like completely a fluke, but totally what I was practicing. Yeah, yeah. Um, so did you do any like CTFs and stuff at uni at all? Or? Uh, no, my first ever CTF was Saiska. You all know it. Um, do you know Saiska? It's like um, I actually don't. Sorry, um, Saiska is like the Cisco C Y S C A. I don't know. Okay. It's like the government-run CTF. It's like run by ASDU. It's like the Australian version of NSA. Okay. And they're like, hacking is cool. Come and do it. Yeah. And it's like a Australia-wide competition thing. Oh, and, nice. Uh, people, people like train and practice and stuff. I'm sure that the sex up people are like practicing for it. Or will we'll practice for it this year. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I did it just because like random people were doing it. They're like, hey, we need someone in the team. Do you want to do it? Yeah. And I was like, I don't know what this is. I've never hacked anything. I don't know anything about hacking. And spent the whole time being like, well, I have no idea what's going on. I don't know what any of these words mean. I'm going to hack this website. I like stumbled my way through like two challenges, I think. Yeah. And I was like, okay, this is kind of cool. And then I watched someone else in my team look at a bunch of hexadecimal numbers for like a long time and then say, I should subtract 47 from all these numbers <laughs> and then magically did that and somehow got the answer. And I was like, what is going on? What does this mean? Huh. And to this day, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I know it's pretty cool. Um, so did you do that during uni or after straight after uni? No, during uni, during like uni. second year. Second year? Oh, year. that's nice. Yeah. Um, and then after I did that, I was like, okay, well, hacking is definitely too hard and didn't do it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Didn't yeah. do it again until after that, until that uni course. Now, but the fact that you got like a couple um, challenges right with no like experience or like very little like experience or knowledge is pretty cool. Was that, that sort of like enticed you a little bit into security or? Not really. As in, it should have, I realize now, <laughs> but at the time I felt super dumb because I was like, oh, I can only do like two out of like 40 questions. Yeah. Yeah. So like, oh, I guess I must not be very good at this. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that, that, that ended up not being true. That's just normal because no one knows how to do all the different areas. Yeah, of course. Yeah. yeah. Um, you said like with um, on your job, you're sort of like learning as you go, and the important skill is to like how to learn as you go along. Um, is there anything you, at uni that you did that you think like helped you out with that, or is there? Uh, like that? Yeah, the most similar thing was like the those war games, as they called them, um, because it was just something that was really hard and. There, it's good when there is ways to Google things, but mm. then you can just look up, like, you know, I don't know, doing particular things in, like, t- doing a buffer overflow or something in C, not that anyone does this anymore, is, like, hard, but you can look up how to do it, right? Yeah. Mm. Which is, that's that's a useful skill, being able to look up things that are hard, but also when there is no way to look up, there, there's nothing to look up, you have to kind of invent it or figure it out yourself, figure out a way to do it. Like, just practicing those kinds of things is, like, I don't know, but that was good practice for me. Um, I guess, yeah, I guess if... You know, you have a lot of C- we have a lot of CSE students listening to this. Do you have any advice you'd give to them if they do want to pursue sort of security as a job? Mm, the best thing that worked for me, I don't, I don't know. I, yeah. I think this, I think security kind of wasn't a job until recently. Yeah, but yeah. Like, the thing that worked for me was, um, d- like meeting lots of people who do security. I did that by like going to conferences and stuff. But nice. being in SecSoc is like or CSE SOC is like the same thing, but for uni. Yeah. And that was because there's lots of different little parts of security that people like and it's easy to go and learn one of them but the problem is you don't know what they all are so you don't know which ones you want, which ones you want to learn mm. so like finding out what all the different options are as early as possible is what helped me so you're saying that like with security there's so many avenues to pursue that it's quite daunting to sort of pick one or sort of focus on one at a time or well it's daunting to know which one you want to pick or which yeah. it's not like you have to pick one it's like which one first you know? yeah 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 and you can't pick one if you don't know it exists. So yeah. learning from other people what things exist helped me a lot. 
Right, right. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and you mentioned conferences that you mm. went to during uni. What kind of conferences? Oh, I didn't go during uni. Oh, did, uh, after uni. I, again, sorry for being a fraud. But oh, no, it's fine. No, no. Didn't really do much uh, security until the end of uni. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Conferences are like the... They're called conferences, which is like what academics, you know, they present their papers and they have glasses of water on the table and stuff. It's not yeah. like that. It's more like a festival or a convention or something. Yeah, yeah convention. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so like there are people doing like presentations and yeah. stuff all day and the presentations are about stuff they've hacked or like actual legit hacking knowledge, which is pretty cool. Nice. Um, but like the vibe is to hang out in like the big main room, not in the presentation room, hang out in like the hallway and meet all the people who are there there's people doing lock picking all over the place there's like people there's a ctf usually at the conference at the same time oh, wow. there's like a whole bunch of cool hacking stuff people just doing their own thing yeah yeah and it's cool to see what they're doing you're like what is this crazy thing that you're doing yeah. and they're like oh well i'm putting like 40 AA batteries into this uh big magnetic coil gun thing i made i'm gonna shoot it at that lock on the other side of that door and it's gonna open the door and you're like, oh, what <laughs> that's that happened to me one conference yeah, yeah. oh nice also slight tangent about lock picking at every con- like security every every year at sexsoc they have a lock picking store have you ever actually picked a lock to hack into something oh like for work you mean yeah anything no uh, because i have i haven't had to do like physical security for work i would oh. love to it sounds really fun but i haven't had to um i picked like locks but not like for crime reasons okay when i was officially first, officially when I was first getting into security, I was like, why are you all into lockpicking? This makes no sense. You have no, like, you all do security. Why do you also all like lockpicking? And they're all that like... That is my question. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I think everyone else is doing it. They're like, that seems cool. Um, mm. But I guess I can kind of see the similarity. Like, picking a lock is kind of like, you know, locks are meant to be the things that you can't open unless you have the key. But if you learn lockpicking, then you can. And you, like, learn how locks actually work. And it's kind of like a puzzle. So I kind of get the vibe now. But I'm still salty about it. Still salty. <laughs> Do you think you'd get into it lockpicking at all? I mean, I, I guess I am. I guess I know how to do it. I guess, yeah. that, but I don't like do it all the time. All the time, I yeah, just yeah. Do, do it like for fun sometimes, or like at the like conferences they have like the table full of all the lockpicking stuff that you can use. They also have handcuffs that you can pick as well. But like sometimes, most of the time, there's like a person there who like is like running the show and they know how to pick everything. So like you can't like lock yourself in the handcuffs. Yeah, yeah. But like if they're ever not there, you have to be like really sure. Like you have to really practice before you wear them. Picking before them, you wear them, yeah. Before you put them on and practice that way. Or so you'll be walking around the conference in handcuffs. Oh, I guess you could get someone else to pick them for you. That would probably work. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think Jeannie, do you want to take the next section of our Atlassian? Yeah, sure. So now let's get into a little bit more about like once you now are in the world of um, CyberSec, when you, after uh, Atlassian said, okay, you're in the CyberSec team now. Um, I guess, how did you get on board with that coming as like, sort of coming in thinking you were going to be a software engineer? Well, I mean, I thought I was going to be a software engineer until I fixed security team. And then I was like, okay, definitely not. I wonder what they do here. What is going on? And I kind of, it's really hard to tell what was going on. I think that's just kind of the vibe when you're at like a new job or new place like yeah. everyone else or even at uni yeah you know everyone else seems to know what's going on but you don't know and like you don't know what to ask mm. and so i was like what are you what are we doing what are we trying to do uh it was good though like at the beginning they my first they, they gave me like a project that was like very self-contained and just for me and i could just work on that i didn't have to know what was going on mm. and that was good um my first project was to uh crack password hashes which is where you like uh for me what that ended up being was uh, going on the internet and buying an extremely powerful gaming PC because you need a really powerful like graphics card to do password cracking uh, building it on the floor 
uh, at work and then uh, like writing the software, writing the code or writing software to like do the password cracking and then um, like uh, share, sharing the results with people, mm. which was like, I now understand a completely wild thing for someone to do as a first project or at all. Uh, it was really fun though. Yeah. Did they tell you how to do it or like give you any hints or did you have to... That was like available. Data? They were like, you yeah. can ask us. But I was like, oh, I actually did this in the course. I know how to do this. Don't worry, I got this. And it was great. You're like, oh, I just need a gaming PC. Well, they were like, I was like, wait, what What? What software? Am I gonna, what computer am I going to use my laptop? And like, no, no, no. You can just like buy the parts. And I was like, oh, okay, great. Love that for me. Here's this extremely expensive gaming PC that I'm <laughs> now going to buy and build and store on the floor. And they were like... Have you used the gaming PC for anything else that's not password credit? No, it's not mine. It's at the office. Yeah, it's yeah, like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no. Have you played any games at the office? Uh, no, because <laughs> it's busy password cracking. Also, this was years ago. Also, it lives in some server room somewhere. Oh, okay. Also, it has no monitor. There are many, oh, reasons, okay. there are many reasons why. <laughs> but there's definitely been like a lot of thirsty people in the comments of the blog post about it, being like, why? You can sure play some games on that, huh? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, so that was your first project into like uh, password cracking. Is that something that you've had to do in like later projects uh password crack have i actually had to oh uh, not for work for like fun blog posts on the side but i haven't hasn't come up for work yeah yeah all right um so yeah from the first project did they just like progressively give you like bigger projects um kind of it just after i done one project they were like okay cool you're like a real person now i guess so <laughs> now you can just do kind of whatever we're doing and there was basically i was the only one who had like uh like actual computer science like background at the time oh, really? everyone else had come from like networking backgrounds or whatever or they have like i have a literature degree but i'm good at hacking now oh. or whatever so I'm some of the security guys didn't have like uh, i guess csc backgrounds or computer no, science backgrounds. No. oh wow that's really common in security oh, people oh, wow. not having computer backgrounds okay it's like they don't need it yep, <laughs> like yep, yep. You, they don't need like they don't you don't need really good like coding skills or yep, software yep. engineering skills to do hacking you just need to like like we're saying learn the thing that you need to hack like learn that thing yeah. and so yeah it happens all the time people with weird backgrounds yeah so did the upskilling on the job that happened from Atlassian did you have to sort of pursue that yourself a lot of self-learning on the job wait what do you mean as in like did um, Atlassian help you upskill yourself for the job or did you have to do a lot of that yourself like oh, while you were learning uh, I mean yeah I mean like yeah. in many ways there was like the main thing they did was uh, going to conferences is like yep. so useful and they would like pay for that every year. They'd oh, be nice, like, nice. hey, we're all going to this conference. Uh, here yep. you go, let's go. Um, and they had like another rule which was if you are doing a talk at a conference, like if your talk gets accepted, then you, we'll pay for you to go to that one as well. Oh, wow. And so I went to loads of conferences one year when I like had some talk that they all wanted to, they all they got accepted at all the conferences. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. And it was great. I like learned so much. Yeah, that's cool how like, they, they um, support you sort of you know, being quite, you know, curious about cybersecurity, you know, yeah. getting upscale and get, getting better at it, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's good for me because I learn stuff and it's good yeah. for them because yeah, yeah. I know more stuff and I can do better at yeah, yeah, what yeah. I'm trying to do. It's yeah, great. Yeah, that's cool, that's cool, yeah. Yeah. I'm also curious about how the, you said that, like, a lot of people just don't come from, like, computer science backgrounds. So, like, for example, like, a literature background. Yeah. Like, what, at some point, they would have to uh, have an interview to get into, uh, to get the job. Um, yeah. So it's like the questions they ask, is it more about like general sort of like problem solving skills or would they have to have done a little bit of stuff like gone to a conference and like figured out you some mean stuff themselves? Like the interview questions? Yeah. Uh, short answer, I don't know. Okay. Uh, well, 
I know for like my team, but I don't know in general for mm. security questions are, but like generally they like test the actual skills that you're going to use. Like they want the interview to be as close to the actual job as possible. Yeah. yeah. And so like you kind of have to know vaguely what a computer is. Like mm. the person with the literature background that I'm thinking of, they were like an IT help desk support type person for a while. Okay. And they, you kind of learn a lot about security or learn a lot about some parts of it doing that kind of job. People yeah. like forget their passwords all the time or like they lose their accounts or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so it's kind of like, a lot of people come into security from a software engineering background, but a lot of people also do it from like a sort of a system administrator type background or like a support type background as well. Yeah. Uh, so that's how it happens. I don't really know what the interview questions are about, okay. but they're like a little bit about computers, but they'd never be like, time to reverse a binary search tree. Like no one, <laughs> no one does that. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, and then also, I guess, like you talked about your team as well. Um, how much are you like w- working with your team when you're doing hacks? A lot. A lot. It's like the most, I realized, I thought it would just be chill, but I realized it's the most like synchronized with other people that I've ever had to be. Like in software engineering, when you, you and like other people need to write the same software, you use like Git or like version control. And yeah. so you can like, you don't actually have to like talk to them in real time. You can do it all asynchronously, right? Like you do it all with the git and version control so like when they make when they change something you see their changes but you don't have to see their changes until like you want to see their changes so it's fine but like i I realized when you're doing like actual hacking operations we call them you're like a bunch of people but you need to act like you're one person right you need to like there are certain things that like you know if you have like a uh can i like a shell do people know should i explain what that is probably yeah so since you need to act like one person if you have a shell on a computer which means like you have a terminal but on someone else's computer it's like sshing into someone else's computer then you know there's only one of those and only one person can type into it at a time and you need to know like what what are we trying to do what did they type what did you type and you need to all be very synchronized on not just in that situation but for like what exactly you're trying to do and if you do something you need to like share it with the other people so they know so they don't try and do the same thing or so they know that you've tried it because you're also trying to be really stealthy and like that part was like way it was, it's fun but it's like way more complicated than I thought yeah how big's your team now it's five people which is like amazing it used to be three people it used to be I, like, it was just me for a while that was a bad vibe <laughs> um, but now it's five people which is great is the like security like unit quite small uh, it seems like new and small the, the security like organization which is like everyone who does anything to do with security yeah. it's like in Sydney like a hundred people now oh no yeah. like, that's not right in Sydney, it's like 50 people, yep. and worldwide, it's like 150. Oh, wow. I think, roughly. I don't know. But like, at Atlassian, is it just you five? And no, 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 no. That's, oh. um, Adel- no, I was talking, those, those numbers were for Atlassian. Oh, Atlassian, sorry, sorry. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. My, oh, wow. my very niche small thing of doing the red team where we hack Atlassian, yep. uh, that is five people now. Five people, yep, yep. Oh, wow. And that's like the biggest it's ever been. It was three for most of the time. Yep, yep, wow. Okay, so what about like the rest of, so there's three of you doing red hat hacking. And then, so there must be like 47 other people doing other stuff around security. Fair. Do you, do you kind of know what they're doing as well? Yeah, vaguely. Um, okay. some, here's some of the things that people do. Yeah. There's, um, the most obvious one is like the opposite of what I do. Like the people who are trying to defend against and catch people like me. Yeah. So they're like the incident response, they call it, or detection. Mm-hmm. So their job is to try and know, set traps and alarms for when someone might be trying to hack us. So they have a lot of logs of what happens and they write code to look at the logs and decide if something is, something dodgy is happening. And if it is, they like send an alert to a person. 
like for example if you see the same person doing like 99 failed login attempts and then one successful one and they stop it's like right, mm, that looks maybe, maybe something <laughs> don't do is happening <laughs> maybe they remembered their password on the 100th one I don't know um, that kind of thing and then then the, there's also people who do the incident response which is like when you've been hacked or when you think you might have been hacked they try and figure out what happens because you don't get like a nice story for like how you got hacked you just get wait a minute why is this computer mining cryptocurrency that's not right <laughs> you have to figure out like is there is there someone trying to hack it if there is how did they get there how did they get onto that are they still there where could they have gone it's a lot of like detective work mm. and then there's also the like security engineering you might have heard of or like product security I'm not sure what they call it or like application security which is all about security bugs in code so mm. they're like looking at other people's code and seeing if there are any like security problems with it so or, like hardcore debugging oh no you're thinking of like you're thinking about like GDB and IDA and stuff oh no right? not, like, not that kind of like or just like looking at scanning there's not very much like humans eyes looking at code because there's okay. like way too much code to okay. look at all of it yeah. Um, so there's a lot of like automated like code that reads code and looks uh, for problems okay. and there's like really complicated things like actual like vulnerabilities or really simple things like so you've included the password in the code and the code is going to go on GitHub so you probably don't want to include that password there you know that kind of thing mm-hmm. and um, there's also the that's like the code side of things but there's also the part the kind of like code security but you can't actually read the code so they just look at the running code and try and like attack it and try and like see if they can like for example they look at the running web server that your code makes and try and break it try and see if they can find any vulnerabilities in it but without seeing the code oh okay but you get to see the code well there's both it? there's, oh, okay, there's yeah. both ways and they're both good all right yeah yeah, yeah. um because they find different things they all sound like they use a lot of like programming to help with the job. Are you also like doing a lot of programming to help with your job? Yeah, exactly, definitely. Yeah. Um, they, those people and me all use programming for the same reason, which is uh, scale. There's sometimes too much stuff for human eyes to look at, or it would take too long for a human to do it. So they like automate it using code. Mm. Yeah. Well, I guess I also use. That's not the only reason. That's not the only things they write code for, but that's a common one. Yeah. So at least like those skills from like your degree I guess carry over there yeah it's interesting I think a lot of security people have everyone, all the security people can write like scripts they say or they can do like scripting they can like they want to know how to do like for loops and they want to know how to do like to automate something that they would do by hand to you know make a computer do it yeah but like the actual software engineering TM is a fairly rare skill in the security world because okay. which is fair enough because people don't have time to learn security and software engineering yeah, they're both yeah, things yeah. like that's doing like two jobs at once and so, like, that's been a big advantage for me is having that background. Because mm. then they're like, hey, we need someone to write malware or to, like, understand what this code does and then change it to do what we want it to do. And I just did it. And they're like, whoa, how did you do that? And I was like, what do you mean? You just do, oh, I guess you you just go to university for a few years <laughs> and you just do some software engineering and then you know how to do it. Okay, I see the difference. Mm. Okay. Does that, do you think it gives you a little bit of an advantage then? Any, yeah, yes. Yeah. And anything that, any skill that you have and other people don't have, is like a relative advantage and it depends on you know how relevant it is i guess but definitely do you think the literature people have an edge over you in any area the liter- probably right <laughs> I, I don't know because i didn't do literature yeah, yeah, yeah. there's probably some stuff that they're just naturally good at if it yeah, comes yeah. up right yeah um the kind of skills that people talk about the most are like the uh software like develop software development software engineering hacking in air quotes the actual offensive hacking part mm. and like networking I don't really understand networking. It's rare that someone has all those skills. Mm. 
um, but like knowing what the heck is going on with IP addresses and subnets yeah. and routes and stuff that comes up a lot and it's really useful if you like like I know it like a little bit because I've like had to learn it on the job but like if you're like actually good at it and actually know what's going on you can often have yeah big relative advantages yeah like networking is like such a massive rabbit hole like it can go so far down yeah no is that under Wi-Fi hacking no that, oh, okay. would, be, that would be great <laughs> <laughs> nah yeah um, but I guess it's cool because then that's why you have the team, right? It's because like everyone has yeah. like you'll complement each other. That's very insightful. Yeah, it's exactly right. When we were trying to hire the new people, we were like, ah, we need to assemble a team of experts with diverse backgrounds for this heist, and we want everyone to have like their own unique skills and stuff, so they can all like. It's like we we were saying that we want you know multiple people to act as one person. Mm. But and we do, but they act as one person with a lot of different background knowledge areas because they all have their own background knowledge areas. Yeah. So yes, it's exactly like that. So if you think for a uni student who's trying to get into security, do you think that they should try and like specialize in an area? No. Well, like probably not because mm. they pro- like it's okay to specialize in an area. Yeah. In fact, you probably should get into like something a little bit that you really like. Yeah. But you generally the best strat that I found is to. Uh, try and learn a little bit of lots of areas to see which ones you like and to see what they are mm-hmm. and then sort of get a little bit into some of them and specialize in some of them. Yeah, but if you yeah. decide really early, like I'm going to specialize in Wi-Fi hacking or something, that's specializing in something is good, but you're also saying I'm not going to learn a bunch of other things instead. And yeah, maybe, yeah. Other, maybe other things are more relevant. Maybe you don't know what they are. So like, I think you're supposed to like do a little bit of everything and a lot of some things. Mm-hmm. And then like you're specializing specialization comes naturally because it's just what you're interested in yeah you will just you don't have to try and specialize you'll just get super into something or have a project about it or something and yeah, then you'll be yeah. like oh it looks like I know this now mm-hmm. yeah. yeah also a really common question I just get asked all the time when like computer science comes up is like what programming languages do you use <laughs> does it actually matter um, uh, no it doesn't matter okay. it's like well I think it depends like for me it doesn't matter yeah like if I was doing like you know the code review type job then it would probably have to be the same ones that the same languages that I'm reviewing right mm-hmm. but for me I just use like whatever the combination of whatever I have to if I have to use the same language as someone else like I'm trying to like edit their code to do something evil but so I need to speak their language yeah or if I need to make software that I need to use I use like Python or Golang because they're easy like they're easy to write quickly mm-hmm. and also the real reason is because they're what all the other hackers use and so you want to use something that other people can read or you want to use someone else's code and so it's in that language that's just why yeah for sure um, uh, and, yeah. With, uh, just just one other thing on that topic yeah, yeah. just to really quickly break some hearts here at UNSW <laughs> uh, I have never written C or C++ at work or for oh, no. all the first year students at C are crying right now yeah. <laughs> they're like why am I doing this I've never I don't know anything about x86 <laughs> I don't know assembly I don't know MIPS I don't know anything they're gonna no MIPS they're gonna start oh my gosh they're gonna start getting mad at Mark Cheehan yeah. <laughs> they're gonna start revolting in lectures now and I don't know anything about how to hack C code. Like I've talked about buffer overflows. I don't really know how to do a buffer overflow because it's never come up because no one is writing C anymore, except for at UNSW, of course. But like no one, no one like out there at companies is writing C. And I just, so need, to, I just need everyone to wake up and realize this. <laughs> um, so what do they teach you at USIT then at, at ComSci? Just in general? Or oh, what languages you mean? Yeah, what languages do they teach? Or like, what's like the beginner language uh, they teach you? They do Python and Java and something. I think 
I think it's Python and Java. Oh, no. Is this in the first like programming fundamentals course or is it? Uh, it the depends. First There's some Python courses and some Java courses. Oh, yeah, okay. so yep. it depends. Yeah, and you're saying that you've used both Python and Java. I haven't used Java like either fair point. Oh, <laughs> but, okay. But like people who write Java Atlassian, no one writes C Atlassian, mm. for example. Yeah. Yeah. Mostly, m- most people are writing JavaScript now. That's like what's happening. Um, also probably just like going deeper into like your day-to-day work like when you do yeah. a hack right so obviously you guys do the hack and it's quite fun afterwards um, do you have to do anything with like reporting and that sort of thing no afterwards we just go to jail and no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah no definitely that's like I find that part fun too like yeah. after you do the hack uh, while you're doing it you're like furiously like taking screenshots and writing down what you did and like getting timestamps of exactly when you did what thing because uh-huh. like when you're hacking something you hope that they have records of what you did, but sometimes they don't. Yeah. So like you're the only one who knows what happened. So you need to like write it down so you can show them later what happened. Okay. And then I write like an extremely elaborate blog post about uh, exactly what happened. And what happened is kind of useful and the screenshots are good. And like telling the story is like really useful for people to read so they can like follow along exactly what happened and see it as if they're doing it. Yeah. But something that people say is really helpful is we also write down the like, they say mindset, but like kind of why we did things or what we were trying to do. Mm-hmm. So like, oh yeah, here we were trying to find more passwords. And so we looked here because we wanted, we thought there might be passwords here, but then there weren't any. And we didn't look here because we seemed, that seemed like it would be too risky. We didn't want to break anything and so on and so on. And they really like that because a lot of defending is trying to, thinking about what the attacker is doing and like trying to get in their head and be like, what do they want to do? How do I stop them doing that? And right. so they found that really useful. Mm-hmm. And I found it really fun to write. Yeah. Yeah. Um, do you think that, uh, do they get like used to your mindset? Do you reckon? What, as in like they try and be like, oh, well, it's Alex. So Alex, <laughs> uh, I don't know. Mm. It's a short answer. But um, I mean, it helps that they don't know it's us. They don't know it's us like in, until we tell them, right? Mm. Like, they don't, yeah. So we don't, we don't have to say, hey, that's us attacking you. They think it, they, might, they might be like, this is a real attacker. Ooh. Oh, okay. Yeah. Right. Um, but they probably, they could just assume it's us or they might, think oh well Alex is probably going to do this but now you now we're playing like five dimensional chess because like I know that they know or like I, I, I'm, I'm thinking about what they're thinking that I'm going to do and so sometimes yeah. I'll try and mix them up mm. and so on so like maybe but that's a dangerous game to play right do you ever get to do any like social engineering yeah definitely yeah. like at work I mean for, for work or just you know on the weekends or what do you mean well I mean officially for work but like if you want to elaborate (laughs) no yeah officially for work sometimes we just do whatever we have whatever we think will work whatever we have to so like where the classic one is like phishing people um over email is the most popular way but doesn't have to be email anything that sort of sends them notifications or make gets them talking to you is like just as good okay or like one time i was on a call like with someone who was like trying to help i was pretending i was some other person who didn't know how computers worked and had to like (laughs) let them help me uh, help them into like disabling the security on their computer and clicking some stuff. Oh, it yikes. was very, meanwhile, my teammate is like texting me being like, lol, you have to pretend you don't know what right click inspect element does or whatever it was. Uh-huh. <laughs> that was great. Yeah. Oh, do you think, um, wait, so like if the other people like at lunch or something, right? Do they like, are they kind of like, wait, we can't trust Alex. No. Trying to be <laughs> no, no, because, because I will never use my like real identity where I'm like actually Alex okay. to do any crimes, do any hacking because a real hacker couldn't do that. Yeah, right? okay. a real hacker can't say hello, I'm Alex and I work on the security team and you have to listen to me because they're not. Mm. So 
when it, all our attacks are from, done from like an entirely separate identity where I have like separate laptops, separate internet connections, separate accounts for everything. Yeah, yeah. Partly for like, uh, like stealth reasons, but also because that's fair. That's what a real hacker would have to do. Yeah, yeah. So you just have to pretend to be like a real hacker, essentially. Basically, yeah. The, we try and make it so the only difference between the way we do it and the way a real hacker would do it is we have permission to do it mm. because that's the most realistic. Yeah. Oh, you, yeah, oh, you mentioned like the 5D like chess before like like do you work quite closely with the software engineers and like other roles or is it quite sort of it's you versus them or is it a lot of sort of uh, teamwork after the fact like in yeah respect, so like we're, we're not like enemies we're like yeah, 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 we're, like, yeah, we're yeah, trying yeah. to help each other yeah, 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 yeah. and like we're not allowed to talk about the actual work we're doing yeah. until it's finished until it's done and yeah. then yeah. we talk about it a lot and yes, they answer yeah, all yeah. their questions yeah. and they come and like watch us do it and we like do like talks for them and we do like sometimes we do it together we like pick another thing we want to hack and we're all in the same room and we all like oh, awesome. try and uh, hack it with them yep. and, and like the idea is that we have like someone who's like the volunteer victim person and we say like give me your laptop you've been hacked <laughs> and, and then we all we all use that person's laptop and try and figure out what an, what an attacker would do yes. and while we're doing that the defense people are like looking at the logs and seeing what alerts are being set off and stuff and yep. we try yep. and figure it all out oh nice that's awesome do like the software engineers like you know their knowledge of security might be limited. Does that sort of, um, like, what's sort of working with that dynamic? Is oh, that that's, that's okay. Like, yeah. they, don't, they don't have to know about security, right? Yeah, that's, yeah, that's, yeah. We, we do that. We help them yeah, do yeah, that. Course, yeah. All they need to know is about software engineering. That's okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, we don't interact with software engineers that much because okay. we don't... Uh, we, we I have, like, not allowed to say? Yeah. Mm, yeah. <laughs> uh, never in my history at Atlassian have I ever exploited software to hack something. Mm. Like, I've never done, like, a vulnerability. I've never, like exploded a vulnerability in software to make it do something hmm. not because I don't know how well I guess I haven't tested it but I assume I know how um, but because there's always an, been an easier way than exploiting the software vulnerability that would, that would just take too much time and effort so there's always been some easier way like finding the correct like key or password or whatever to just log into the thing hmm. or like tricking someone into logging in for me or whatever has always been easier yeah so is software engineers probably the, the other roles you interact with mostly or is there another like product managers or anything like that do you talk to more um that's a good question who do we interact with it's it's not it's like it's software engineer type people but not the people who are writing the code they're not explicitly they may be like a manager or something no, well no they oh. could be the person who wrote it but it's usually not the code it's usually like the architecture which is like a really hard thing to like explain it's yep. not the actual code that's running it's like which computers can talk to which computers or which things have permission to log into which things right. or who has access to this thing. It's all the bigger architectural, the structure yeah. of the... Yeah. Only because that's what I tend to hack, right? Yes. Yeah. So if, if I did find like software vulnerabilities, then of course I would also, I'd be interacting with the people who wrote the software yeah, and yeah. people who use it. So yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's nice. Is there someone else deciding what to hack or is it you just going, that looks kind of... <laughs> uh, no, it's pretty much us. We just yeah. decide, we just, okay, it's pretty much, it's all us. We just decide like, well, okay, the people who decide are the actual hackers out there. Right? Yeah, 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 we, yeah. We think, okay, what, what are they going to do? What are they likely to try and attack and how are they likely going to do it? And why would they do that? And we yeah. pick the like objective of the op, we call them ops, operations. Mm-hmm. And so the objective is sometimes like, okay, we think an attacker would, I'm making this one up, we think an attacker would try and hack... Uh, this particular software to try and mine bitcoins on it and so we think our attacker is we try and figure out who it's really hard because we don't have this information a lot of the time so we try and figure out okay our attacker is like uh, what they want is money and they're trying to mine bitcoins and they're going to try and do it by going this way and they're it's like it's almost a user story it's exactly a user story because we're like and they're this good like sometimes we have to 
sometimes we try and simulate someone who's like good or sometimes we try and simulate someone who's like a total beginner or like oh, doesn't okay. know what they're doing or they're like the B team or they're having a bad day or something yeah. uh, because it's valuable to practice against all the different types, right? Okay. It's a lot harder to simulate someone who's like got more time and resources than we do, but <laughs> it's, we do that by like cheating basically. We'd be like, okay, well, we, we're not we're not the like Chinese government, so we can't find a zero day in this random <laughs> thing. But we can just pretend we did and just use our employee access to like log into it and give ourselves access and be like, pretend we found a zero day there. Now we'll oh, keep going. Okay. So do you write on a scrum board as a hacker? I would like to <laughs> hack Jira because I want to mine Bitcoin. That would be great. <laughs> uh, we probably could. We probably should. Because I mean, we maybe we should. We do that without that structure. We don't call them user stories. But maybe so, we should. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Use the Atlassian user stories <laughs> to hack Atlassian. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you love to see it. Yeah. yeah. Um, do you think, uh, I guess, like, yeah, what's an example of, like, stuff that a hacker might want to do? Oh, like what? Like, right, right. As in, yeah. what would they want to do? Or, no, what would they want to do and why would they want to do it? Yeah. yeah. Like the motivation uh, behind why they want to hack. Almost all, like, the attacks that I know about and the, the research that I have seen is uh, about are motivated by, like, money. They are, but like not even in a cool way. These people are just kind of like professional criminals. Like they have like managers and teams and performance reviews and stuff, but they're just, you know, crime managers and crime teams. And they just do stuff like, you know, sometimes it's cool, but sometimes they like hack Facebook accounts and spend the, like hack uh, Facebook advertising accounts and spend the ad money on fake ads so they get money or something. Or they hack companies and try and steal the username and password databases and sell those to people so that people can use those to hack other companies or whatever uh, and sometimes it's cool to get me wrong but the vast majority is that kind of like business crime or I don't know what to call it yeah um, but the things people tend to want are like uh, I mean the most common thing now is ransomware right because it's a very efficient way of turning hacking into money right turning a hacked computer into money um, even though it doesn't always work yeah. but also people try and hack computers and just mine cryptocurrency or steal information Mm-hmm. stealing like information that they can then sell like uh, the username and password database well username and password hash database is like often valuable because it can let you hack other accounts which you can use to hack other things and so on do you have to like keep track a lot of like what's going on in the news in terms of like hacking and security uh, I guess I didn't have to but I just do because it's, it's, it's interesting anyway. yeah, yeah. but I think what's in the news is like not based on what I have researched like what's not in the news was in the news is not very representative of like right. everything. You only hear about the really dramatic stuff. Yeah, 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 um, yeah. Which is not like Tony Abbott. Yeah, for example. Hey, I think you were in the news one time. <laughs> it, was, it was one time, <laughs> and it was very dramatic and not representative of what we were trying to do. Do we want to get into the Tony Abbott hack? Yeah, sure. Yeah. Actually, one more question just about Alassian. Um, like, would you say like this is like your ideal job? Like, yeah, like would you want to go? Is this like a, a stepping stone to bigger and better things, or is this like you're in a good place right now? big time because like before I did this I was like well that's the dream before I did this job I was like surely the dream is to like hack stuff and then write blog posts about it that's exactly what I want to do so before I did this job I was thinking about uh, before I did this job I did the like defense team side I like did the like uh, detective side like detection and response oh okay so did you start on the defense yeah yeah, yeah. okay for a few years Um, and then I was like "Uh, maybe I should try something different not because I don't like this but because I should try learn something new and see what that's like so I was thinking about quitting and having no job and just writing like hacking stuff and writing blog posts about it like on my personal website and I was like well I definitely run out of money but I don't know maybe it'd be fine anyway to just do and then someone was like hey you're actually a huge bozo because there's like a job you can do where you hack stuff and write blog posts about it and 
it, you get paid for it and you have a license to crime because you have permission to hack this place. And I was like, ah, that's actually very good. I actually would like to do that. Um, and so then I went to incredible lengths to try and make that team happen and join the team and stuff. Oh, okay. Wait, what, yeah, what did you do to like join that team? <laughs> like, was this when you were like the only person on the team? No, this is before that. Oh, so, okay, um, yeah. That was, yeah, it was, there, there was one person who joined and she was like the first red team person and okay. she had done it before and she was like hello I'm, I'm doing the red team and I was like hello you don't know me or what the heck is going on here but I'm about to go to incredible lengths to try and join this team I know there's no spots on it officially I know there's no room I don't care I'm going to go to <laughs> great lengths to try and make this happen or die trying and that's fine too but let's go and then there was like a rotation program where she was going to have people like join for like three months to like temporarily do it. Right. And I was like, what do I have to do? Let's go. I'll do whatever. Like, also don't even tell me what I have to do. Don't worry. I'll just make it happen. It's fine. I'll be like the best person for this. It's fine. I got this. Mm. And somehow I ended up being the person, even though there was like some qualification or like some requirement on the list of people who wanted to, some requirement for rotating they didn't have. But she was like, no, you seem like you really want to do this and you really care about it. Uh, so that's probably like enough. And like, I kind of get what she meant at this point now when we like get new people, like being like super into it and going to incredible lengths to do things is in retrospect what we do. So right. like, uh, I kind of see that now. I didn't know at the time, but I, I kind of see that. Okay. So then, would you tell other uni students that are... Yeah, to uh, you know, very rudely tell people that you don't care what they think, you're going to go to whatever <laughs> lengths it takes to... No, definitely not. Okay. Just, be, uh, just go to incredible lengths in a nice manner. Uh, I mean, kind of. Like... Yeah. The main, like, when we're hiring people, like, we know that people who are, have just finished uni have, like, very little, if any, experience hacking stuff or doing security because, oh, have you, what, what other company have you worked at and defended hack from hackers before? Like, obviously, no one's ever done that because they've all been doing uni. Like, they've got lots of, they have, sometimes have practice doing, like, courses and uni stuff or they've, like, done a cool side project. That's really good if they have. But we know that, like, they haven't actually done it before. And so what we actually care about is like, how much do they want to do it? Like how passionate about it are they? How much do they like it? Because if they like it, they'll probably learn more about it and be really good at it. But if they're just, if they, if they're not sure if they like it, that's okay too. But like, that's the main thing we look for because it's the best thing, right? It shows what, it's the most like predictive thing. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You also said the, um, the person who was on your like red team at the start had been red team somewhere else. Mm. Are there like other places in Australia where... No. Oh, I, as in, I, I don't know. I don't okay. know. If, I think there are places that have things like, there are places that have red teams. Right. Like I think, like, uh, I think like some banks have them and there's like pen testing, which is like sort of, it's like sort of, it, it's, it's, it's also hacking, but it's like different Then you like hire an external company to come in and do it to you. Oh, okay. That's like kind of similar, but I don't know anywhere else in Australia that has like a, that does what the same thing I do. There's right. things that do like close and similar, but like. Mm. The, it's like I don't know anywhere else I could show up and be like yep and I can do this because it's the same as what I do okay. it would be like similar but not the same what about overseas oh yeah like it's, oh, basically, okay. it's basically a tech company thing right like tech companies have the same as what I have and there's like Google doesn't have this kind of thing in Australia that I know of okay and that was like the first one I thought of and yeah. the other ones tend to be too small to have this kind of thing like small companies don't they can't they don't have time to like have a hacking simulation team and have a like making the company happen team first yeah yeah okay so yeah for like people for like uni students who like want to get into like red teaming do you have any advice for that uh, it's totally fine and probably good or maybe even better to like do something else first 
Okay. Because it's cool to have. If you have, I mean, you don't have to. You can go straight into it. Yeah. But if you have cool background knowledge or cool, just just, just do what you like is the answer. Mm-hmm. Like whatever you find the most fun, do that thing because you'll be good at it and like you'll learn other stuff that you also find fun. That's what I did. Yeah. yeah just bring a different perspective to the team is good. Sort of. Oh, I mean, yes, in terms of red teaming because you have yeah. the other background, yeah. but yeah. also just generally doing what you like. You can't really go wrong. Right? Yeah. yeah. Like, yeah. I wouldn't say go be miserable to learn some other skill. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, no, okay, let's... Tony Abbott. Tony right. Abbott, We need to yes. address this clickbait. <laughs> never heard of him. Um, I guess, from the perspective of someone who's never heard of this, um, heard about this, um, I guess, what was the motivation behind this hack? I guess, how did it all start? Uh, one day, I was sitting at home, at, at my desk, by myself, drinking water, mm. uh, not doing any crimes, and yeah. uh, I got a message in the group chat that was at Alex, can you hack this man? And it was a link to an Instagram post by former Australian Prime Minister Tony Abbott. And the Instagram post is like a photo of him. It's a photo of his boarding pass for a flight. It's like in his lap and he's like taking a photo of it. And the caption is like, oh, going on holiday or coming back from holiday or something, XOXO or whatever. <laughs> and my friend is saying, can you hack this man? It's not that kind of group chat. It's not the kind of group chat where I like hacking. My friend is joking because earlier like months earlier, we were talking about boarding passes and I was saying like, yeah, I think boarding passes have like secret stuff in them that are like, it's kind of like your license number or it's got like, you know, secret identity stuff in there, but people just post them all the time because they don't know, like no one tells them right. that it's secret. They think it's fine to post because like, it doesn't look secret. It's just yeah, got yeah. It seems fine. Um, and then my friend has had like made that connection and been like, oh, this is Tony Abbott doing that thing. Is this, is this bad? Like, and I was like, I, and I didn't know because I didn't really know how to do the boarding pass hack. I just knew that like, oh, I think that's bad because I think there's some forbidden information in there somehow. Mm. And it was like, you know, like one o'clock on like a Sunday. And I was like, I mean, I'll have a go. I'll have a browse. Mm. Like the least I can do for my country is to see what's going on and have a browse. Because like, I didn't know, like had he posted something dangerous? Was he in trouble? Was it fine? I, I don't know. And so I just wanted to find out what was going on. Yeah, yeah, nice. Um, I guess, yeah, what when you did eventually like get his information what kind of stuff did you have access to when you did sort of get right. to the end yeah in total I, have, I ended up finding Tony Abbott's passport number mobile phone number uh, you know birthday and stuff that's public yeah. uh, and um, a bunch of information about his oh his frequent flyer number and a bunch of information of, of like Qantas staff talking to each other about his flight they're mm. saying stuff like, oh, make sure to fast track Mr. Abbott and like so-and-so called from Japan and said to um, put him in this seat, not this seat, and all stuff like that. Wow, wow. Um, I guess like, you know, if you're comfortable, like, I guess what, what was that feeling? What was that sort of, I guess, emotional journey once you did hack him and then all the, you know, media attention and stuff like that? If you're okay with talking about of course, that, what was yeah. that like, yeah. Wait, so doing or after? Uh, yeah, I guess, yeah. Once you did make it to the end, you found his information and then sort of, the whole, you know, Started posting attention happened and you posted it. Yeah. Like oh, after was, posting about it. Okay. Yeah, yeah. All that. Okay. Okay. Before posting about it, there was a lot of like, have I done a crime? Oh geez. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah. by the time it was time to post about it, I was like, okay, I've thought about this a lot. I like have tried to guess what's going to happen when I post this and mm. try to like prepare for it. So firstly, I like had to, had to, I didn't have to, but I chose to be very nice and coordinate with Tony Abbott's personal assistant and Qantas and just then and also my work and be like hey I'm going to publish that here is I sent them like a, a draft to review they can have comments they can change things I was like I'm going to really publish it at this time uh, this date on this website and everything 
I went and I was like, okay, probably a bunch of journalists are going to like read it and try and contact me. So I'm going to like go and change my Facebook photo and change my, like try and think about what stalking they're going to do beforehand yeah, and uh, change my Facebook last name beforehand. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, I did that earlier anyway. Yeah. Um, and um, that, that all, that all totally happened as, as I thought, which is good. Mm. So I got to choose what photo they put in the news instead of whatever nice, what happened to my Facebook photo. <laughs> go, go me. <laughs> um, it's a really dumb photo too. <laughs> uh, and then that spent like a day or two. My day was just like replying to journalists who were like emailing me or Twitter DMing me. Cause I said to Twitter DM me in the blog post and they were all just like, asking like some some people were just being really nice some people were just saying like hell yeah nice blog post my mm. dude um, and some people were like saying hey can I can we interview you can I ask you questions I'm like yeah go for it mm. and the questions were pretty much the same the, the questions were just like we want to publish this story but we made it instead of you made it they want to do like the journalism version of retweeting it sure, <laughs> so, like sure. what happened uh, and like yeah, yeah. the thing in the blog post like they, I don't think anyone asked me anything that wasn't in the blog Yep, yep. which is like fine I get that yep. and so I was like yep this happened this happened they got some quotes and they're like great and then they publish yep. it on like their newspaper or whatever yep, and they're yep. like that's that's news they did it yep. and uh, there was some some other questions about like me and like how did I get into security and those kinds of mm. things but that was mostly it yep. and that took a long time that was like two days and mm. I got like, zillions of emails and zillions of Twitter DMs and my phone was exploding mm. and I was like oh, I'm going to sleep now when I wake <laughs> up American people are going to be awake mm, it's fine <laughs> um, and uh, I got invited to the Discord Illuminati one time. There was this, there were these mysterious strangers who sent me this email about like some dumb, very old secret—not really a secret, but some old Discord that used to be an IRC room that has a bunch of semi-famous, semi-anonymous, elitist jerks in it, and they were like very cryptic and mysterious about it. They were like, "Anyway, you can join if you want," but I'm making it sound way better than it is. Uh, that was a that was a vibe, and. Um, I think that was mostly oh then I got you know asked to go on a TV interview and mm. I was like heck yeah I'm gonna do that mostly for my mum <laughs> I thought would really like it and she did yeah. uh, and then I got asked to do another one but I was like no wait no one is enough I've done this now yeah, yeah. <laughs> what was that sunrise interview like oh interesting that you knew which one it was on that's so interesting yeah, yeah. Um, it was kind of very different filming it versus the actual final interview that got made yeah of filming, it was filmed at like 8 in the morning so I was like really sleepy <laughs> And it was in this really dark uh, room. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like, very hacker vibe. And yeah. I was like, are we in this dark room? Because are we doing the whole like underground basement hacker vibe? It's not really my vibe. <laughs> and the, the person interviewing me was like, you don't look like how I expected. And I was like, what did you expect? But she didn't answer. And <laughs> she was like, yeah, we're using this, this room's really dark because we use this studio for a different show and we don't want it to be obvious that it's the same backdrop. And I was like, okay. And that's why the blue lights are here. And they were like, <laughs> <laughs> and it was like amazing they asked me to like they're like can we film you typing oh no they're like bring your laptop and I was like why and they were like oh as a prop and I was like okay sure so it's just on the table and they're like can we film you typing and I was like yeah typing what and like, oh just just anything just typing we just, we, just, we just need that footage and I was like oh I see the vibe that's going on yes yeah. yes you can extremely film that and they're like okay now we want to film you hacking I'm like hacking hacking what and like just you know hacking I'm like okay I see what I yeah, yeah. so there's footage of me on their website doing right click inspect element and then scrolling around and that's what they used <laughs> yeah, I think I saw that yeah uh, um, what was it like when you because you were at Atlassian during this time right working there you mean yeah working yeah. There. yeah like what was it like going back to the office like the next day or like after all this? going back to the office never heard of it. couldn't be me we still haven't done that right. everyone's still working lately 
Oh, wait, this was during 2020, right? It was in the forbidden year, yes. Oh, okay. Oh, I see, I see. <laughs> so, wait, when you jumped into the company Zoom call. Right? <laughs> oh, oh, actually, I got a lot of, like, Slack messages from, like, people I don't... It's a big enough company now that, like, I just don't... There's a whole bunch of people who work there and I just don't know yeah. who these random strangers are, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they figured out it was me. Or, no, some people were like, hey, there's this really cool blog post uh, by someone else called Alex. I think you'd really like it. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like I think I'd like it too, actually. You'd be like, red team, you'd be more like this guy. Yeah, that's right. Oh, the CEO tweeted about it and was like, this is great. And he's going off about it. And I was like, that was nice. Because yeah. I had to tell him, I had to tell work beforehand yeah. that I was publishing this. We didn't have to, but I just thought I should. Yeah. yeah. And the CEO was like, wow, cool, cool blog post about Tony Abbott. And I was like, I, I assume he knew it was me, but like, yeah. amazing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, there's lots of people messaging me being like geez you didn't tell us about this and I was like sorry I couldn't like, <laughs> was there a new channel on the slack called um, Alex Fan Club or anything like that no for a brief moment all the channels were that channel <laughs> <laughs> no that's a bigger flex that's a bigger flex yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, also oh, do you want to also talk briefly about I know people can just like read the blog post but do you want to talk a little bit briefly about how you did the hack sure yeah uh, well, after I looked at the boarding pass I realized that there must be like, I, I Googled it and figured out, okay, there's like a barcode in the boarding pass and the barcode has the booking reference in it. And the booking reference is like the six digit code you get for like a flight that you use to like log into the flight. And that was in the barcode and that was also printed on the boarding pass. And so I went to like Qantas, this website, and was like, how do I manage my flight? And it was like, yeah, click here to manage your booking. You need two things to like log into it. You need your booking reference, which was on the boarding pass. Mm-hmm. And you also need your last name. I was really hoping it would be... I thought the booking reference might be the username and the next thing would be the password, but yeah. it turns out the booking reference is the password and the oh, last name okay. is the username. And I was oh. like, oh, I definitely know people's last names. And like, also it's on the boarding pass. And like when you type in the booking reference, you don't get the like dots like it's a password. You just type it, type it in there. So it looks like it's not a password. Anyways, I typed that in and it was like, is this a crime? Is this bad? Is this, this is, it doesn't seem like a crime, but I'm just trying to check if it works. And if it does, it's probably fine. Uh, and so I hit the login button and I was like, ooh, it's not saying wrong password. It's taking a long time to load this page. Ooh. And then it did load the page and I was like, yikes, yikes. Because uh, anyone who saw that Instagram post could be there with me, right? Like, yeah. So I'm like, mm. oh, who else is here looking at this? Mm. And I looked around and there wasn't actually anything that bad on the page. So I was like, okay, I'm going through the five stages of grief. I'm in denial now. And I'm like, <laughs> oh, okay, maybe it's fine. Maybe there's actually nothing bad in here. There's like his name and it's like frequent flyer number, whatever. And I can't change the flight because it already happened. This is probably fine. But then I used the only hacker tool I know, right-click and then inspect element to look in the page some more because I wanted to see the raw page source because some I was like, well, I'm not just going to give up. Like, surely maybe there's something in the page that I can't see yet. So I'm going to have a look around to see if there's more stuff in this page that's, you know, secret. And scrolled around a lot. And then there was this big section of, like, data, this big, like, JSON section. Hmm. And... Uh, it was too big to read with my eyes, so I searched for like passport and, and phone number and stuff like that, and eventually found something that looked a lot like a passport number. It was called document number, and I was like, "Wait, I don't know what a passport number looks like. This kind of looks like one." Uh, and I had like a birthday as well, so I was like, "Ooh, okay, mm. let's look up the birthday. Let's look up Tony Abbott's Wikipedia page. Let's look up his birthday. Ooh, it is the same birthday. Yikes! This is." And then I was like, "This is going to be hard to fix. This is going to get much worse before it gets better." Uh, and then I found the like phone number and the um, all the weird Qantas staff talking about him. That was weird. Yeah, what, what was that um, Qantas stuff staff thing about him? Just boring stuff like oh. you know uh, where he's supposed to sit and to fast track him and stuff and oh, things okay. like that. 
Um, but I was like, why do they send that to Tony Abbott when he logs into his own flight? Why do they send that in the chat yeah. between the stuff to him? What? Um, Qantas ended up fixing this and making it so this doesn't happen anymore, mm-hmm. uh, eventually. So that JSON file, you wouldn't be able to see it now? Exactly. Well, the parts that are secret would be gone, yeah. Okay. Mm. Um, I haven't actually checked because I don't have a flight, <laughs> but oh, okay. um, I have had other people have checked. Qantas said it's fixed, so I think it's fine. Mm. Um, and then I was like, yikes, I should stop now. Well, no, it's like not, not that I'm worried about doing any harm, but I'm like, okay, I know that like something needs to be done now. Someone's going to like reset this passport number. Can you even reset a passport number? I got to tell someone about this so they can fix it. Who do I tell? Yikes. Uh, and then I like closed my laptop and was like, hmm, has, have I done a crime? I hope not. So then I started calling everyone in Australia to try to figure out the answers to all those questions. Yeah. What was the answer? Did you do a crime? Uh, yes, I'm recording this podcast from jail right now. <laughs> so, no, I did not. I ended up completing the do not get arrested challenge 2020 as it ended up being. <laughs> Uh, and I had to talk. I talked to a bunch of lawyers, and well, I tried to get like the free government legal advice thing. Uh-huh. But it turns mm-hmm. out, people, lawyers, very few of them also know about computers, which is kind of fair. Kind of like being a software engineer person and a security person, a lot to ask. Um, but I did end up finding some lawyers who did, and they were like, "No, no, no, no. What you've done seems fine. Uh, if you were to then commit identity fraud using that passport number, that would be a crime. <laughs> but like, this is okay." And I was like, "Good, thought so, but love that for me." Even if it's a prime minister, that's okay. And they're like, yeah. And I was like, great. Yeah. So what would be like the crime things that someone could do with the information they got from like Tony Abbott's boarding pass? Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I'm not a crime expert, but like, it seems like mostly identity fraud is like the main one. Uh-huh. Like passport numbers. You can use a passport number to, for example, activate a SIM card, um, which is something that's really hard to do in Australia without using your real identity. Like okay. if you want a SIM card, which has like an internet connection, you need to give like the SIM card provider, you're like, passport number you're like legit identity uh-huh. um but so if you're a criminal and then you use that internet to like do crime the government knows who you are mm. but so having someone else's passport number lets you like sort of anonymously have an internet connection which is a very hard thing to get in australia mm. and then it's a huge flex if the person you're anonymously being is tony <laughs> abbott as well that's just <laughs> even better and it's like you get a hack at last you get a hack from tony abbott yeah exactly <laughs> and like you can it, the passport number is not as good as like the actual physical passport or like a scan of it but I think you can use the number to make like a fake scan or you can like wow. you, I mean, once you have the passport I don't know you can probably do everything open bank accounts do, a, do identity for us I don't, I don't know didn't, didn't research that part too much because I did not do any crimes <laughs> <laughs> make that very clear yeah, yeah. But I mean, as he says with the jail bars in between <laughs> <laughs> you cheating on him <laughs> Do you think, um, oh, I've always wondered, like, should celebrities and stuff, or, like, ge- in general, slightly famous people be more careful about, like, because their birthdays are, like, public knowledge. Yeah. And, like... I don't know. Would it be really easy to, like, do identity fraud and pretend to be, like, a semi-famous person? I... Yeah, I'm, I wonder about that as well. Because, like, I know if you want to, like, change your, like, uh, like, SIM card or get a new phone number, and you call your, like you call your like phone provider yeah to hang on to prove it's you uh what's your birthday (laughs) and that's all they check so yeah but famous people's birthday the public so i don't know maybe they use a fake birthday i don't know uh i think being lied to (laughs) what i think so oh yeah i I think that yeah their birthday is a public information right so i guess they can no longer use it as like a security thing but evidently tony abbott has his real birthday 
Well, your passport, you have to. Yeah. You can't not have your yeah. real and birth certificate. And that's on Wikipedia as well. But, like, that's okay because it's only on your passport and your Wikipedia. But uh-huh. then, if, like, you know, like, what about his phone number? If I call up his phone provider, whoever they are, and say, hey, what's up from Tony Abbott? Here's my, like, here's my birthday. Anyone can have that information. I, I don't know. Maybe maybe he's meant to use a different birthday that's not his real birthday with uh, okay. them. Because, like, just your birthday is, they don't check your passport. They just, whatever you tell them your birthday is, is your birthday. So it's kind of like True. a password. Yeah. Well, what kind of stuff do you do? Because I would say you are now like a semi-famous. What? Um, Get out like of here. People. I mean, I guess once, Look, you're, once, on you're, on once you're on this podcast. Once you're on the Echo podcast. Once you're on this podcast. You're more like famous. Exactly. <laughs> this is kind of it. Like yesterday, no, but today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So sunrise, no. Echo, yes. <laughs> Definitely sunrise, no. <laughs> so what are some things that you've done to like prepare yourself for like the instant fame? that no, you're going to get after the podcast? I guess, I, cha- I, guess I changed my Facebook photo, right? But like, yeah. there's nothing wrong with the old one. Uh, nothing really. I kind of, kind of was a little bit more above average, like, not like paranoid, but like took more than average precautions just because when you like hang out with lots of security people, you learn about all the different things and security people do like more of their precautions, not because they are at risk of anything happening, but because they think it's like cool or fun to like do the higher security things. And it is, right? Mm. Like having two-factor authentication on things is like annoying sometimes Okay. because, you know, you have to type in an extra code, right? Yeah. But it's like so good from a security point of view that it's like so satisfying to have because whenever I'm like logging into my thing and typing my two-factor authentication code, I'm like, this is kind of annoying and I kind of have to do it. But also like so hard to hack. Mm. <laughs> so good. So yeah. those kinds of things, but I don't really think I did anything particularly, I don't think I do anything like more precautious, is that a word, than like the average like security person. Okay. So just like two-factor authentication. Oh, that's like the, the main, the main, like the, the best thing for like stopping attackers right now is like two-factor authentication for things i can't get around it it's really annoying because like what makes it so hard so the reason two-factor authentication is so difficult to attack is also difficult to like hack into someone's account that has two-factor auth is like getting their email address sure easy getting their password also easy you can like fish them they're easy to guess they're public that's the easy part but then how do you get the two-factor authentication code that's on their phone and changes every 60 seconds? Hacking phones are really hard just because phones are higher security than like computers. Phones okay. can, is there a particular reason why phones? Phones can do fewer things and right. they were also just kind of made more with security in mind. Like, yeah. Is it because they're, like you're talking about smartphones? Smartphones yes. or any, any, any no, mobile no, phone? No, smartphones I'm talking about. Yeah, so like is it because they're, they're newer than say a computer in terms of... Part of it is that they're newer, part of it is that they can do less things. Okay. So like for example, when you run code on a phone, every app can only see itself. It can't see other apps. Yes, That's right, a good feature. But like on a computer, code can just do anything. Code yeah, can just do whatever it wants. Right, right. So like even if you could get, and like how do you get code running on a phone? People don't click like, people don't double click files to run code on their phone. They only install apps. So I guess mm. you, you got to get them to install an app, but that's pretty hard to get someone to do. Like, so does and it then, depend on like the operating system of the device? So since mobile OS is more limited or? I mean, there are differences between them, but they're both hard to hack. Okay. They're both too hard, basically, yeah, yeah. Um, to be to be worth it. And then even if you could hack the phone, you only get... I guess if you can hack the phone, then you can get infinite two-factor codes. So, okay. But hacking phones is really hard right now. Like, it's... it's phones are just... They're more simple. And, like, simple things are, like, often much harder to hack because there's less ways to, like, trick someone. Like, there are less ways to understand more about it than the other person does. Um... But computers are like really, really complicated, and so there's always some like jank you can find, or there's always some like niche mm. trick that you can find. Right, yeah. So a lot more avenues or 
channels you can sort of find your way in with computers compared yeah. to a phone yeah the more complicated something it's easier to <coughs> like, yeah yeah pretty much every time one thing um i guess yeah talking more about outside of work outside of atlassian sort of more your freelance stuff um do you have like a uh, i guess you have a close second or third or um yeah any other notable hacks on your blog i guess the one that people ask me about the most is one time i hacked my friend consensually with her permission because I really liked reading I would, I would see like these um, news articles by journalists who said I like let this random hacker hack me and here's what happened and it was really cool because they told exactly all the details and all the story of like how they did it and why they did it and you learn like what how do you hack someone what do they do like what's this thing oh they use this software what does this software do mm. or like what's going on like you learn because it's like a real story of like what really happened is like evidence as opposed to like well, you could hack someone by this kind of vulnerability, but like, do people actually do that? I don't yeah, know. But it's more fun when it's real. And it's way more fun when it's real. And I really liked reading those. So I was like, okay, what if I wrote one of those? I had never hacked anything before, but I was like, but I'll just, I like, had been working at Lassian for like a year or two. So I'm like, yeah, I like vaguely know what could happen. But I don't really know how to do it. But I'm just going to try. And so I asked my friend if I could try hacking her sometime in the next year. And she was like, yes. And I was like, okay, that was easy. Um, and we talked about all the different of like what am I allowed to do what am I not allowed to do like I realized I decided we decided I'm not allowed to delete anything which is fair and then I like just tried a lot and figured it out and ultimately did it and um that's that story is on my blog it's called Operation Luigi you'll know it when you see it mm. um I don't tell the whole story unless you want me to it's very no, no, go ahead, no. maybe some like, highlights on like what yeah. you were able to find uh the short version was I ended up I tried to do something really clever with password hashes and it didn't work and I was salty uh, and so I ended up uh, trying several times unsuccessfully to fish her into giving me her password for the, something for her email and then eventually she did fish her success did did fish her successfully got the password and logged into her email and then using the access to the email reset her password for a bunch of other stuff like her Twitter and her LinkedIn and stuff and then logged into all of those and very subtly changed her profile picture to be the same picture but with a very like um slight very, very transparent very hard to notice picture of luigi over the top <laughs> oh okay and left that for a while and then then did something really loud and obvious when i decided it was time for her to like catch me and for it to be over what was the loud and obvious thing? oh i didn't want to be spoilers but oh okay uh, <laughs> yeah no, no spoilers no spoilers okay they can read your blog is worth it yeah. <laughs> yeah. um i guess we've hinted at it a lot but wi-fi hacking yeah. The beginning. Do you want to do a quick explanation of what, how that works? Oh yeah, sure. The really high level explanation. I have a blog post about this if you want the actual details. But yeah. like the high level explanation of how Wi-Fi hacking works is when you, this is this is simplified to the point of being slightly technically incorrect. But this is the easiest sure. way to explain it. Um, when your computer and the Wi-Fi like router want to um, when you want to log into it with the password. Uh, two things have to happen. You need to prove that you know the password to the router so it knows that you know the password, but also the router needs to prove that it knows the password to you because what if someone made a different, um, what if somebody made a, another Wi-Fi access point with the same name and said, yep, I'm the one, tell me the password, then you would just tell it the password, right? right. You need to both oh, prove okay. to each other that you know the password say, yeah, yeah, at yeah. the same time. And it's possible to do that, but because of the way they do that, what ends up happening is something that is not technically a password hash, but we're going to call it a password hash. Uh, the hash of what the Wi-Fi password is gets sent between you and the Wi-Fi router. Mm -hmm. and what any, does a password hash mean? Fair, exactly, and uh, fair enough. 
password hash is kind of like a the best analogy I've thought of is a smoothie. The ingredients to the smoothie are the password, or like the recipe is the password. Okay. But then you blend it up into the smoothie, and now it's in smoothie form. And so it's really easy to make the same smoothie if you use the same recipe every time. Yeah. But you couldn't unblend the smoothie. You couldn't turn the smoothie back into the ingredients or back into the recipe because it's all blended up now. Okay. So it's like a the password is now like unable to read. Yeah, you can't. You can looking at the password hash does not tell you what the password is. Okay. And it's you can't turn the password hash back into the password. Okay. You could guess, you could try and like guess what the password is and then uh, hash it and see if it comes to be the same password hash because the hash is just a number. Uh, but, and you would know if you guessed right, but that's all you can do. Yeah, it's a lot of guessing. Yeah, it's a lot of guessing. Okay. Uh, and so when you uh, get that, when you, so someone else who is watching you log into the router mm-hmm. can see you sending the password hash to them and the router sending it back and so they can listen to it see what the password hash is which is not the same as the password but it's the password hash and then they can do that repeated guessing over and over again they can like get that password hash put it on their extremely powerful gaming computer and load up a big list of really common wi-fi passwords and by like a big list i mean like 10 million different passwords that are like real passwords people have used and try them all and a lot of the time it will uh, be on that list and it will take like not very long to try because humans tend to pick there's not that many passwords that humans pick. Like, if your Wi-Fi password is, like, the randomly generated one that came with the router, okay, it's probably not on the list. But if, like, a human made it up, like, it probably is because there's not that many. The pattern's pretty consistent and people just make big lists of all the common things. Mm. Okay. Do you reckon then, like, for passwords, like, should people... How would people, like, make a password that's, like, not on a list? Uh, my big brain take is that your Wi-Fi password can be on a list. Your okay. Wi-Fi password can be whatever because... Only someone who's physically close enough to your Wi-Fi to, like, listen to that password hash thing can hack it, right? Mm. Like, if I told you my Wi-Fi password, you have to come to my house to, do, uh, to like, log into the Wi-Fi. Yeah. And even then, it's not that bad if someone logs into your Wi-Fi. It's, like, slightly more risky, but it's not that bad. It's not like logging into your email account. Okay. So I think it's fine to have your Wi-Fi password be some, like, really easy to, like, understand thing. Because you probably tell it to people all the time, and it's really annoying if they have to, like, write mm. down a complicated thing. What, what do you, like, what can someone do if they're on the same Wi-Fi network as you? It depends wildly okay. about what what else. Basically, they can see all the stuff that is on your Wi-Fi network. Right. And they couldn't see that otherwise. They can see all the computers. They can try and talk to all the computers that are on your Wi-Fi network. Maybe those computers will let them change stuff or write, run code on them or whatever. It really depends. Because there's a lot of, like, especially with, like, <clears throat> smartphones, a lot of devices that are now connected to the internet in, like, one's home. Like, yeah. I guess that's sort of quite dangerous you think with all uh, these devices now connected to the same Wi-Fi well yeah sometimes and some of them controlling lights or curtains or yeah. random shit yeah it's common the internet of things stuff gets hacked and now they're on your Wi-Fi network and they can talk to all your <coughs> stuff yeah. or they can talk to the router itself and they can like see all the traffic that's going through the router yeah. like there's lots of bad things that can happen but it's not very common it doesn't happen very much yeah, yeah. So. Okay. do you think like a lot of the time um, like when you get like a router or you get like your internet set up you get like the passwords or the passwords just on the back of the router like what do you think about those sort of passwords uh if it's like if it's if the password on the back of the router because it's like the default and every yeah. route every every one who bought that router has the same password yeah that's bad that's bad because yeah. anyone can look it up well it's not that bad because like again they have to be physically close enough yeah, yeah, yeah but like the people stuff that uses the default passwords is great for hacking because you just look up yeah, yeah, the yeah, yeah, yeah. And be like great tell me the default password and here we go yeah. or you just guess that it's admin admin because it usually is um, that happens all the time yeah. but if it's like a 
randomly generated password from the back of your router. It's like got a sticker or something. Yeah. And that's probably really secure because it's random and unique. Yeah. So that's hard. Most of the password yeah. hacking that we've talked about comes from passwords being reused, not from being easy to guess. They just right. yep. saw that they've seen it before. Do you think like how many people do you think have like the admin admin or they're like the internet login? Like everyone? Everyone, yeah. Because <laughs> unless you've gone unless you know how to go into your router settings and yeah, change yeah. that password. And if you care enough to change it, exactly, yeah, like yeah. so like everyone, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Do you think the internet of things hacking and stuff isn't that common because like there's no like monetary incentive usually? Uh I don't know. And like it's not it's not it's not common. Like do you do you know did you hear about the Mirai botnet thing? That happened like if year or two ago where like some random like uni student hacked like a botnet is like a network of bots like a lot of computers you've hacked that are under your control okay. and they made like the biggest uh, network of hacked computers ever by mm. exactly hacking internet of things things using the default password that was on the internet so wow. they like made a, they like made a big list of all the default passwords for things and just scanned the whole internet for like the special like for those IoT devices because you can do that because there's not that many IP addresses you can just scan them all and they just logged into all of them because <laughs> you can just do that right. and uh, got in huge trouble and went to jail and everything but like yeah. had a lot of computing power or a lot of like internet power oh okay so what could they have done with the like the bots uh, I, I don't actually know I think they tried to DDoS some people which is where you like send a lot of traffic to them send a lot of like internet traffic to them which you need a lot of internet connected devices to do right. I don't actually know the full story of the Mirai button what do you think of like this whole internet of things sort of rise what's sort of your opinion on that especially as like someone in security uh i mean people used to say it was like a, re- a real big problem because it was like people are like writing c again because they're writing microcontrollers <laughs> and then put, it's just you and stuff you students writing c yeah right? which is like not necessarily a bad thing but then they're putting that c on the internet yeah and putting it in people's houses yeah and it will like it can like break all the time yeah and yeah, like yeah it's really easy to hack sometimes so it's like but yikes but I think Internet of Things is tending to really specialise things like you know like Alexas and stuff and like mm. Google Homes and they seem to be reasonably secure because like people have, there's like one very simple thing people have thought about it a lot mm. um, and it's like okay it's like hard enough to hack but like people writing their own custom things or some like random dodgy Arduino thing that you can put on the internet yeah it's like putting something on putting something on your home Wi-Fi is like trusting it a, a, a bit yeah and so how much do you trust this random thing it depends like do you trust Alexa to not hack you probably because Amazon will get in big trouble yeah but like other things who knows yeah yeah. yeah. and like Amazon and Google would have like their own red teams and stuff oh like you would not be the first person to try and hack your brand new like uh-huh. uh, Google Home thing because like yeah they've got a, they think about that kind of thing all the time yes sure. and they would yeah. absolutely have their own red teams and security like engineers definitely mm-hmm. yeah um, going back to your blog I guess like is that something that's just like um, is that like a place to just put like all of your hacks that you do outside of work? I guess so. Whenever I do something, whenever I like do something that I think is worth like writing about, yeah. I write about it there. Mm-hmm. That, that's all. How often are you like hacking outside of work? Uh, very inconsistently. Okay. <laughs> I just kind of whenever. Um, whenever I have some dumb idea for like a really ridiculous thing to do, I'm like, surely I do it. And, yeah. um, then afterwards I'm like well that was that was ridiculous I gotta share this story with people people need to know <laughs> so sometimes I publish the code that goes with it if it's like has code as well okay. but the blog list is where I write about like the story yeah do you think anyone who's sort of wants to get into security should start a blog I think it's 
not all of them but like if you mm. I think it's really useful when people share what they've learned because yeah. like hackers are really good at learning stuff and really terrible at sharing it because they like think no one people, they think just because it's not like brand new no one cares about it or right. they think that like uh, no one wants to learn about no one wants to know what I did because it's like you know well, I don't know just some random thing why does someone want to know about how I hacked this thing but then you talk to anyone and they're like, I desperately want to learn how to hack things. I wish someone would show me how to hack things. Mm-hmm. And so like people definitely do want to know. Mm-hmm. People don't always write about it because they don't know what they'll get from it or they don't they don't see the value in helping the people or something. I don't know. Do you enjoy writing about your oh, yeah. hacks on the blog? Yeah. It's so much fun. Yeah. To yeah. Like, I don't know if you've noticed, but I have a uh, very formal and professional writing style and I really enjoy <laughs> writing in that style. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, my favorite is like when you have the little hidden things. Oh, the footnotes? Click the, um, like the little like three dots. The three dots. Yeah, they're yeah. dots. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I love them. I used to uh, have, there used to be footnotes. Okay. Which was like, you know, the numbers and you click it and yeah. it goes down. Yeah. That was a bad user experience because <laughs> who wants to click those? Scroll down and then scroll back up. Yeah, you can click them to auto scroll, but it was still bad. Oh, no yeah. oh, but then I used the power of JavaScript to like, mm. I spent a lot of time trying to figure out optimal footnotes. And yeah, now there's these three dots things and you click them and they have like a little bonus. Yeah, that's cool. That's cool. I like that. And it's way better. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I guess like, what's your favorite part of hacking? Like, is there a particular stage in the process that you really enjoy? Is it the end? Is it the sort of the, the intuition part? Um, The first thing to come to mind is when you have like an idea for a thing to try and you're like, Surely this completely ridiculous thing doesn't work. Like, yeah. surely this. Yeah, yeah like, like we've got to try. Surely you can't. Yeah, it's like it's like oh, we definitely like definitely. I've had like a very dumb idea. Definitely got to try this way because like, what if it worked? Oh, imagine that. That would be ridic- that would be dumb. And so you've oh. got to try that. And like all the time, you're like, okay, quite reasonable. That does not make sense. But imagine if it worked. Mm. But then sometimes you're like, oh boy, they've gone and done it. Now this thing works. Oh, bo- not only did it work, but now I have this story of how I use this dumb technique to make <laughs> this thing happen. Amazing. That does um, sound like a lot of fun. <laughs> it's, it's so much fun. What do you think the like barrier to entry is like in security? People think they can't do it. Okay. But they can. They, they just can. have never done it before, seen someone do it. They think it's really hard, mm. but actually it's uh, going on Instagram and looking at people's photos. Yeah, for sure. The Tony Abbott hack was... Like, what was the most complicated thing you did I'm there? already halfway there. I look at Instagram way too much, so... <laughs> on my way to being a famous... I guess the most security compli- person. Yeah. Uh, watch out other prime ministers. Yeah. I guess the most complicated thing was doing right-click inspect element, but like anyone can do that, as we all know. Or if you don't know, go to a web, go to a web browser and do right-click inspect mm-hmm. and you'll be like, congratulations, you're going to jail. <laughs> um, but yeah, people, the worst part is, well, the biggest barrier to entry is people think it's too hard mm-hmm. because several reasons. One is like CTFs, often make people CTFs or hacking. Make people feel dumb because they don't know the answer and they most like you know, they've been going to school their whole life. Most of the time, the questions are like, you're meant to know the answer. Mm. They don't, they don't realize it's okay to not know how something works and figure it out. They just see they don't know it and they give up. Mm. Or they think that like, it's too hard because people who do like security, some of them are like, uh, flex too much. And they'd be like, I'm so cool. I know about this one thing. I bet you don't know about it. Uh, because they like, I don't know, want to flex. And it's like, makes other people not get into it. And so only the flexes survive and it's bad. Mm. Um, but I mean, Surely this like Tony Abbott story is enough to see that like yeah you can totally do it you just have to do you just go to hashtag believe I don't know I don't, <laughs> want, to, I don't want to say that but maybe it's true no. I think I think it's a good analogy just for not just security but just like 
computer science, software engineering in general, because there's just so many avenues, I guess, if you come into it, um, especially when you start with sort of different um, experience levels, it's sort of quite intimidating and you see all these people flexing with like their knowledge of different technologies, frameworks, text editors. Um, or just like saying random words. Yeah, like... saying random like um, buzzwords. <laughs> yep. it, it's very intimidating, so it is easy to sort of get, yeah, lost or like intimidated by all the flexes or by the, you know, the very competent people. Um, well, it, is, it was intimidating for me, don't get me wrong. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. A lot of that time, like all the time, that was intimidating for me when I was first starting. But now I realize what I wish someone had told me is it's a bluff. When someone yeah, like says a, yeah. a weird computer word that you don't know, yeah. instead of being impressed, be like, yeah, just person... follow up question. <laughs> oh, no, not even. Like, they probably do know it. They probably do yeah, understand okay, the thing. Yeah, yeah. But like, they probably do understand the thing. That's mm-hmm. fine. But yeah. like, the, the thing that's a bluff is they're being like, I'm so cool because I am saying this word. But actually, it's like, are you cool? Because you're like, you're saying this thing to me that you know that I don't understand, or you like, you don't know. Like, you, you're either saying this thing to me that you know that I don't understand to why just to flex is not like very helpful we don't know what to talk about now you just mm. like that's not a very cool thing to do or you don't know that i don't understand this but you didn't ask you're just kind of going for it which yeah, is yeah. like maybe you're just assuming that i'm really competent but you can often just be like sorry what is that and then uh like that's the maybe they'll teach you right yeah, <laughs> or yeah maybe you don't want to know and that's okay you can be like i don't know what that is then like that's fine you know it's okay to not know what things are and people these people who are flexing sometimes they know lots about it but sometimes they know like 0.5% more than you do and mm. it looks the same yeah I think it's like a I mean we could go on about like the culture of like computer science people and like oh if you insist yeah but, um, but yeah that's that's another point that's, that's a, whole, a whole podcast it's a whole podcast <laughs> yes okay. well I'll see you next time <laughs> yeah, yeah we'll come back to the yeah. visit the prison again yeah yeah thanks thanks for coming to jail yeah, <laughs> yeah it looks like he's 17 yeah it <laughs> feels like he's 17 what? wow <laughs> wow it really makes you think um Okay, yeah, so I guess, like, just, like, for, like, I guess, like, wrap-up questions, um, do you have any, like, plans for the future? Any interesting hacks lined up, or just... Oh, I would tell you about it if I did. Uh-huh. Like, no, I don't, like, I don't, like, plan these things. They just happen to me. Like, okay. Like, the Tony Abbott thing. Like, sometimes I'm like, oh, I should browse this thing, or, like, kind of feel like, I haven't written a blog post in a while. I wonder what I should do. Um, but, nope, just vibing. And, um... If people want to, we've been talking about the blog for one thing, if, or if people want to keep up with your next cool hacks and things, um, or just learn from you as well. Um, yeah, feel free they, to plug your stuff. Where can they uh, find you? Bold of you to assume that there will be next cool hacks, but you know, maybe. <laughs> um, my website, which has all the blog posts and links to everything else, is uh, mango.pdf.zone. That's a real website. <laughs> You're allowed to make websites like that. And yep, everything's there. Oh, also quickly, do you want to explain where the name mango.pdf oh, so yes. comes from? Sure. I mean, like the, the mango PDF name is because I was trying to pick like a, I was like, oh, I'm doing security stuff now. I should make like a, a separate handle for that. And uh, what should it be? Okay. Well, I don't, I want it to be something accessible. Not like, I don't want it to be one of those names, which is like XX Metal Storm XX. Because like, firstly, everyone else is like that. But secondly, that's very like. That's like a flex. That's very like, oh, I'm too cool. Don't come and talk to me kind of vibe. I want to mm. be a name that is like accessible and also kind of dumb and sort of a dumb thing to trick me to trick people into calling me. And so I was like, well, I really like the idea of being like a file because I saw someone's like Instagram name was like something dot something. And I was like, oh, that's so cool. Like, of course, was like, you can have dots now. I realized you can't have dots in most names. Oops. Um, but I was like, I like that, that idea. And like, okay, what file should I be? PDFs, everyone knows those. 
Uh, and then what should I be? How about like fruit? Fruit is funny and accessible. How about mango PDF? That's that's kind of dumb. And like my grandma would always give us mangoes, and that was like a, that was fun when we were kids. So like yeah, I like mangoes. And also my friends used to call each other mango sometimes. Like instead of people saying like hey man, they say hey mango, and that's 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 fun and cute. And I also like the idea of like. I've accidentally tricked people into calling me Mango and participating in my joke without knowing. Love that for me. So if people want to see you in the street or something, do you want them to call you Mango? <laughs> yeah, I want people to just yell, hey, Mango, at strangers and see what happens. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, next time I'm seeing you. Great. Love that. <laughs> Love that for me. Yeah. Um, so yeah, thank you so much for coming to talk to us about hacking, cybersec, hacking Tony Abbott, and also more professional, just like, how people can get into this sort yeah of thanks for coming on man it's really fun yeah thank you so much it was great being extremely professional with you <laughs> <laughs> sure um thanks guys for listening to uh this industry pod um hope you guys enjoyed um this one was a bit different from my other ones but more cyber security rather than software engineering and product management um we've got big plans to diversify our content like this so uh stay tuned for more stuff from media so you thought this podcast was over well, we've got some extra bonus content, don't worry. Uh, this was recorded just a little bit after um, the initial recording, so that's probably why uh, the audio will sound a little bit different. But uh, there's some really exciting stuff that Alex goes into very soon, so enjoy. Yeah, um, I'm also really interested in finding out sort of like, could you talk about like an example of something that um, you would do as Red Team to try and simulate a real hack on a company? Yes, so close to that. I can talk about what uh, someone like me might do to try and hack a hypothetical company, not like sure. the place I work, or not like me particularly, but like in general, how to like red team hacks or like real hacks work against companies, that kind of thing. Yeah, sure. Um, so generally, it has like, I mean, the, the short answer is they decide what they want to uh, get. Usually, it's like money, or usually, it's something that they can trade for money, such as uh, the giant database of email addresses and password hashes that a company stores, or that they want to uh, get the ability to execute code on as many computers as they can, so they can mine cryptocurrency using those computers. They like decide what they want to do, and they kind of just go off doing whatever they can to get it. But generally, the like official like way you're supposed to hack has like these steps, and here they are. Uh, step one is to like uh, enumerate everything that the thing you're trying to target has. So it's like, let's say for example, you're trying to like uh, uh, hack some company and you want to get their like password database. So like you're trying to hack, I don't know, Twitter or something. And I want I want to see that somewhere on Twitter they have a big a big database with everyone's every Twitter account's email address and their password hash. Do we explain what password hashes are? I think we did it already. So. Um, it's. I think you said something about a smoothie. Yes, exactly. Was that good, the smoothie thing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so basically a jumbled up password that you can't really read or understand. That's right, and you can't unjumble it. Yeah. And those are valuable because if uh, there are illicit hacking techniques you can use to try and get figure out what password that password hash was, um, even though you can't actually unjumble it. Anyway, so say they want to get the Twitter password database. The first thing they do is try and find out everything about what exactly is Twitter like? Do they have a password database? They must somewhere. Where's the store? Who works there? What kind of uh, people? The people who work there, like, do, do they have LinkedIn? Like, who 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 works in the, the like Twitter sysadmin 
kind of department because like they're figuring like well we want to try and hack someone who has access to the thing we want we don't want to hack like some random like uh you know like recruiting person some like hr person on twitter because they probably don't have access to the username password database because that's not what they do as part of their job so they pick somebody they try and look around and find out everything they can about the company basically because they don't know exactly which thing is going to be the useful thing that helps them hack in so they just try and find out everything so they do a lot of like mostly the, this is a lot of like googling stuff and googling people and like reading all twitter's like official documentation about how things work and official like doing little things like watching youtube videos and looking at the background of the youtube videos and seeing what kind of computers the employees are using are they using mac are they using windows i don't know that information can be really useful when you're trying to figure out uh how exactly you're going to attack them or more like where exactly you're going to attack them so that's the first step is figure out everything about what's going on um this, this stuff can go on for ages and take lots of time, but it's also lots of fun. When you're an attacker, you have as much time as you want. That's kind of the only advantage that you have, is that you can spend as much time on a thing as you want, and the company has to, like, do other stuff, like, I don't know, make money or something. Yeah, so and they so, don't know that you're coming, so you can, like, spend as long as you want stalking them. Oh, exactly, yeah, they don't know you're coming. They don't know who you are. They don't know anything, so you can spend as long as you want finding out whatever you want about whoever you want. And uh, the next step is, like, Okay, you've, you've found a big list of everything, and now you want to decide what do you want to, like, try and hack, what do you actually want to try and attack. And, like, by far the most common way this happens in, like, attacks that you hear about in the news and stuff is they uh, fish someone. They send someone an email, or it doesn't have to be an email. It can be, like, that, uh, like a chat message or, like, you know, make a comment on their GitHub repo or any, anything, um, which ultimately tricks them into installing software on their computer that gives the attacker control of their computer, remote access software or malware. I'm going to call it malware. Um, and then you, if, if you're doing the phishing way, you have to then like plan your elaborate social engineering. So you have to figure out who exactly do you want to fish. And so you want to, you, generally what people do is they end up on LinkedIn looking at Twitter and they search for like, you know, Twitter and like uh, uh, system administrator or Twitter and people who have, you know, 10 years of experience with Linux and people who have experience with like whatever people uh, at Twitter sysadmins do. And they can do stuff like tr they try and figure out like okay who's just started at twitter because like we don't want someone who's worked there a long time because they kind of know what's going on but if we try and find someone who started in the last like few weeks or few months they're totally going to like be more receptive to random people emailing them and telling them to do stuff so like there's loads and loads of little tricks but that's like one of them and mm -hmm. then when they find this person they have to decide how exactly are they going to socially engineer them like what are they going to do are they going to say like you don't just have to send them like one email and it says click here like you can like talk to them as a person for like you know weeks or months or whatever and then only after you talk to them for a while can you actually send them the link code that they click on like everyone kind of sees like the one shot phishing emails but you don't have to do it that way and yeah, so, so like fully build up their trust over like an extended period of time yeah and like actually help them like if they actually need help with something i can actually do that and actually help them and like just you know talk to them and then once you're like an actual person they know then it's way like something will come up you know like they'll be like, oh, wow, I'd be interested to see how you do it or something, or they'll mention something, and like the perfect opportunity to send them a uh, file will come up, and that's your time. Uh, well, I mean, it can happen that way. And then, uh, you know, you, I'm going to skip this part. You like, you do things, you set up a lot of elaborate like email addresses to send the email from, because you can't send it from your email address, because your email address is your real name. And, you know, I'm skipping all the like, what exactly is the malware that you write, and how exactly do you make it get to their computer, and how do you do it without getting caught, uh, skipping to, and now you have, like, remote control of the computer, and they don't know, and, like, wow, that was, like, a lot of people think that's kind of it, they think, yeah, we did it, we hacked them, we can execute code on their computer, and, like, in, in a way, that's true, like, they, they, like you can do that, you're now executing code on their computer, which is, like, not something they want you to do or expect you to do, 
but like, and like in some sort of like, I don't know, hacking philosophies and some jobs or whatever, that's sort of, you stop there because you're like, we did it, we hacked the computer, we could now do anything. But in what I do and in what like actual criminals do, like, no, 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 that's not where you stop. This is where you like start because like now you finally have access to the computer, you can do anything. And so now basically the cycle repeats. So now you can kind of go back to the beginning and you go back to enumerating, but instead of enumerating and finding out everything on the internet, you now have access to this person's computer and maybe you're on the internal network of this company. And so you try and enumerate and figure out what's there, what's on this person's computer, what do they have access to, where, what, what, where, what is this computer? Is it Linux? Is it Windows? Like what's going on? And you try and figure out all those things. And then you go back to the next step of like, okay, I've looked at all those things, which one do I want to try and attack? And then you figure out how do you attack it? And so on and so on. This, I made this all sound really complicated, but really so many attacks, and like the even big ones, they boil down to you fish somebody, you uh, get their like uh, password or access, to, you either get their credentials to log into something or you get access to their computer, and then you find more passwords and more keys on those uh, in, in that place, and then you use those on places, and then you find more passwords and more keys in those places, and then you keep doing that until you've like, uh, you, you've spread your metaphorical net wide enough and you have access to everything or you have access to the thing you want and then you yeah. steal that thing. Okay, so it's like a lot more just like creative out-of-the-box thinking than rather than just like pure like being able to like write malware or like be able to do weird things to computers. Yeah, that's, that's like a good point. It's kind of like all of those things. Like I skipped yeah. over the writing malware part but somewhere at some point someone has to write malware that like works. But... Mm. Malware is just malware. You, have, you haven't hacked anyone with it. It's just, you know, it's just code that can, you know, control another computer. But what do you do after that? What do you do after you control the computer? There is a lot of, as you say, being creative. I would call it just uh, vibing, but yes. Just just vibing, it, like, casually into someone's computer. Yeah, vibing in someone else's production network. Exactly. I guess the hard part as well is being able to do that all undetected. The, often. Well, I mean, it depends, right? Sometimes the people that you're attacking are like, you don't even have to worry about being detected because they're like, don't even know what security is or have a security team or anything like that. Like sometimes it's just like easy mode or like, you know, if someone was, if someone was hacking like my email, right? I don't have like, you know, a security team monitoring the logs of my email account, right? I, I don't know if someone's hacked it. Like no one, no one has that kind of thing, but if it's a company, sometimes they do have like a security team and lots and lots of alarms and people watching for things and stuff. Then you do have to worry about that, definitely. But I think that's a pretty good summary of just like walking through the mind of a hacker. Um, There's one other mindset thing, I guess, you just reminded me of. Yeah. Like when I was like first doing this, I was trying to think about, okay, how do I do this? Like, what do I, like, it's my first time hacking. Like, to be very clear, I didn't know what I was doing the first time. I was like, I don't know, I'm supposed to try and hack this thing. What do, what do I do? Uh, and I started thinking about, like, okay, I don't know what the best way is, but I know one way that will work, so I'm going to try and do that. And that way was to just, I, I realized that like, hacking is like, uh, it's like competitive between you and another person, even though you're like using a computer and like hacking software, you're like, the software is made by a person and they like assume some stuff about it. So really it's kind of you versus the people who made the software or made the computers or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so I was trying to think, okay, I'm, I'm the people who made this software or company or whatever. What what did I what mistakes did I make? What have I done? What have I like? What do I like not care about? What can I like not be bothered to do? What am I like? Oh, that seems good for security, but I can't be bothered. Or what do I just like not know about the existence of entirely? And like, what mistakes did they make? And I found that like, it didn't always work, but it was like a good like path to go down, a good place to start. Just trying to think about 
what mistakes would the other person make? And let's check, did they make those mistakes? Or let's check, let's check for like, can you make them make those mistakes? Or things like that. Hmm. Do you think every system is hackable? Generally, like, if it's on a computer, then yes, it can be hacked. But yeah, but okay. But sometimes it depends on like, whether, like everything can be hacked, but sometimes the cost is really high and it's not worth it. Or sometimes, sometimes the cost is like, not that high. I, I realize that eventually the end game of this is like not can it be hacked, it's like how much would it cost to hack? And I don't necessarily mean money, I mean like sometimes just like time or like understanding of a thing or like number of people or things like that. Sure, okay. So do hackers kind of just like go look for easy targets then? Uh, sometimes, depends what they want, right? I, I kind of, I, when I, at first when I first started, I was like, oh, hacking is just like, of course, if a thing can be hacked, then of course someone would do that. Of course someone will hack it because, you know, it's not perfect and it's got this problem. So of course someone will hack that. Uh, but mm-hmm. that doesn't always happen. People have to like want to hack it for some reason, right? Someone has to mm-hmm. actually do that. And so depends what they want, right? Like, yes, yes, they do go looking for like the low hanging fruit, the like easy to hack things, but not always. Like, for example, right now, there was like so many like websites on the internet that are vulnerable like security flaws but probably those security flaws are like they're not that cool they don't actually let you do anything they like they don't let you like take over the whole website the security flaws they let you like see the config file that generates the website which can be a security flaw because the config file can contain secret keys and stuff but you know maybe the config file is just boring and doesn't contain secret keys so you have this security flaw that you can use on a publicly facing website but it doesn't actually get you anything so mm. people you know, maybe tried it and it didn't work, or like no one's bothered to try it. But then there are times where you have some like attack that you like, you know will work, or you think is likely to work, and for some reason you want to try it on as many people as possible. Usually, sometimes, well, sometimes you want to be like sneaky and only try it on like, you know, one person, not be detected. But if you try it on everyone, then surely you get caught. But the example I'm thinking of is the like, um, there's a security vulnerability called Eternal Blue, like a few years ago. Um, that like came out, it was like some, it was like basically like the worst possible security vulnerability people could like imagine. It was like, or in Windows at least, it was like a bug that let you, if you could like see a Windows computer, if you could like talk to it, it let you execute code on it remotely as the like administrator user. And it was like, not literally the worst that could happen, but like pretty close. And so that, uh, there were people who tried to use that bug on as many computers as they can and that's where the first ransomware came from that's where the whole WannaCry slash not petio uh ransomware attacks they came from people using that bug to mm-hmm. attack as many computers as they could so ransomware is in where they sort of like shut down your computer and say that like oh unless you pay a certain amount of money we won't like release we'll yeah exactly release thank you for is explaining that, that. Yeah. yes exactly okay all right um hmm I see. So would would it have taken them a long time to find that exploit? Do you think? Uh, I think so. Yeah, I think that 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 exploit. Oh, I mean, I don't know. It's, it's hard to tell. Uh, yeah. It looks like it. It looks like it was like pretty deep in like the internals of Windows. I don't understand how it works. Sure. Um, but I don't understand how that whole area works. So I don't know if it would be easy or hard to find. Okay, but like the effect of it is so huge that like it was worth. Yeah. Whatever time it took. I think so. The exploit, there's like a whole story about this. The exploit actually wasn't found by the people who made the ransomware. It was found by, well, one of the people it was found by was the NSA uh, in America. Oh, and okay. they, no one knows exactly what happened, but uh, it was found by the NSA. The NSA used it for a while. And then somehow the NSA got 
hacked or their exploits got leaked or something and like the the exploits they were using got or the vulnerabilities and the exploits that they were using got like published on the internet and oh, okay. then then everyone then then it was like suddenly wild west for a few days because suddenly everyone in the world had access to this like super weapon uh like uh, yeah. uh exploit that works on any computer and it was like a matter of time before somebody <laughs> used it for something like big and large scale like ransomware oh cool all right i see um well with that i think that's a pretty good insight into uh what it's like to try to hack um, a really big company or a big uh, vulnerability so um thank you for coming back with this extra content i love content that's this podcast is going to go off it's got like like you know it was like missing it was like there's so much content but it's like oh wait no we didn't talk about how a typical attack would go so let's go let's add that as well yeah for sure for sure um so for our listeners thank you for sticking around for the bonus content uh it's now the actual end of the podcast uh but as we said earlier uh we've got lots of uh cool interviews and conversations lined up to be released very soon uh so if you want to uh check the csc sock website or like the csc sock uh, Facebook page, um, you can stay tuned for our next episode.